Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Roy Green Show podcast. Is the Legault government engaging in heavy-handed assault on those unable to submit to vaccination or taking a responsible position to protect the 90% of vaccinated Quebecers from the 10% unvaccinated fellow citizens? These are all questions that are being asked or being debated. Julius Gray is one of Quebec's most prominent human rights, civil rights, and constitutional lawyers. What's your view of the so-called vax tax? I don't think it's a tax. I mean, anything can be a tax but it's not connected to revenue in any uh, rational way. It's not taxed on property or earnings or anything like it. I think it's more uh, more akin to a penalty backed by a fine. Remember, if they made it illegal, the penalty would be a fine. They wouldn't send people to prison, presumably. So this is uh, an indirect, convoluted way of prohibiting a form of conduct and fining people if they don't agree. Now, the question is, obviously, you can create penalties and you can back them up with fines. But is that this one a violation of the Charter? And the answer is it clearly is a violation of the Charter. It it violates bodily integrity, injecting something into people, forcing people to undergo treatments and so on. is clearly a violation of the Charter. So we're left with the eternal issue on Charter. Is it justified under Section 1? Section 1 of the Charter says uh, reasonable limitations necessary in a free and democratic society. Uh, Is this reasonable? Uh, The three-pronged test from the Oaks case says, first question you ask, does the government have a laudable purpose? Clearly does. Fighting COVID is a laudable purpose. Is there a logical connection between what they're doing and fighting COVID? It may not turn out to be right. But I think there is a logical connection. It's, uh, it's an attempt to get people to vaccinate, and we all know that the unvaccinated form the majority of hospitalization or deaths and so on. Um, so there's the third issue, and that's the one where I would call it a close call. Uh, is, it, is there something less invasive, uh, less constraining that could be done? And that's where a, a legal debate would be. Um, I think the government would have a fair chance of surviving it. First of all, they've won most of the cases on the uh, COVID regulations. The only one they lost, and that was perfectly logical, was when they had the curfew, the homeless. What could they do? Where could they go? Of course, the court sided with them. But uh, the, uh, um, the government would bring in experts to say that this is uh, uh, their way of uh, trying to reduce mortality and so on, and the preserving of life which that I agree with, preserving of life is the most important uh, element in, in anything. Uh, but on the other hand, it's a very serious violation of the Charter. I think the other side would also have a good argument under Section 7 
so on. After all, we allow Jehovah's Witnesses to refuse the transfusions, even when they're clearly indicated. We we don't force people physically to do uh, the sort of things that are are are, are like, that are being required of of Quebecers. So I think you'd have a very very good case with each side uh, producing arguments. Uh, that are uh, worthwhile. I think it would have been better had the government simply said it's a penalty backed by a fine rather than uh, a tax which doesn't resemble any sort of tax anybody's ever seen. Uh, Italy has created a rule forcing people over 50 or 60 to be vaccinated. I think Austria and Greece are about to do the same thing. So uh, I'm sorry to to not give you a final answer because I myself am torn, (laughs) but I see it uh, and this can happen in law, as it can happen in medicine, as a close call. Just like a doctor can tell you, I don't know if you're, you'll survive or not, you might. Uh, so I can tell you, I don't know which side will win. Do you I expect think, Do you expect it's going to wind up in the courts? Pardon me? Do you oh, expect it to wind up will. in the courts? Of course it will, because uh, it's not something that's an emergency that will have to be done within a few days. And when... They try to recover the, 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 what they call is a tax or a fine. Uh, a person will be able to uh, serve a notice and, and defend it. So you could, you could flip a coin. Uh, as I said, I think the government will have very good arguments and will have very good experts okay. uh, arguing that it's necessary. Do we know how much this tax, this fine, whatever we're going to call it, how much money was, is involved here? Well, no, we don't know anything. We don't know how it'll be done. Will it be enforced <laughs> through the Income Tax Act? Will it be, uh, he said it wouldn't be trivial, wouldn't be $10, but would it be 1500 or 10000 or 20000 There is a limit, by the way. If it's 100000 if it's a million dollars, everything you've got or everything most people have, then surely that would not pass muster. Uh, but uh, assuming it's a substantial but not uh, totally destructive amount, it'll end up in court, and people will defend it. And, you know, much will depend on the atmosphere at the time when it finally comes up. Will the pandemic be a thing of the past, and uh, we'll be looking at it with a certain equanimity, or will it still be raging around us, and those uh, people will still be afraid? Uh, courts are not outside society, and they'll be judging on the basis of of the world as it will be, I guess, in 2023, when a final judgment on it comes to be rendered. Okay. Who's winning the public debate? Pardon? Who's what? Who's winning the public debate? Uh, I think, on the whole, people are not in favor of uh, uh, the anti-vaxxers or the libertarians. Uh, on the other hand, Premier Legault has lost some of his popularity. He was incredibly popular. He was moving towards 100 out of 125 seats. But the polls uh, that came out this week made him lose some things. So I think he has lost some, some of his uh, 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 support. But on the other hand, the, most people are not in favor of the dissenters. Okay. Mr. Trudeau said that he needs more information on this particular initiative before he's able to speak on it. I, I would suggest respectfully that you've just provided all the information that we, the Prime Minister requires. We, we should be hearing from Mr. Trudeau, don't you think? I think he should, he should pronounce himself on it. Uh, you know, he doesn't have to pronounce himself totally for or against. He can do 
as I just did, say that it could go either way. But he should tell us that he's thought about it and should express his uh, ideas. For instance, I would tell Mr. Legault to call a fine a fine instead of calling it a tax. Yeah. I think it's an important <laughs> principle of honesty. Uh, call the thing by its name. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, uh, yes, I think we should hear from Mr. Trudeau. It's like being pulled over by a police officer and, and being told you're being taxed. It just doesn't make any sense. We know what a fine is. We know what a tax is. You're absolutely correct. Prince Andrew has been stripped of his military titles and the use of his royal highness and will defend himself against sexual assault allegations brought by Virginia Jeffrey. As a private citizen, Prince Andrew will have to defend himself as a private citizen. Jeffrey has accused Andrew of sexually assaulting her while being trafficked by Jeffrey Epstein. Also, the juror in the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, who during deliberations revealed to his fellow jurors he was sexually abused as a teen, thereby raising the question of a possible retrial for Maxwell, he now wants to see his pretrial questionnaire, and he wants to be heard from in any mistrial hearing. Gloria Allred, famed U.S. women's and human rights lawyer, who represents 20 of Epstein's accusers, including women who allege they had experiences with Maxwell. Ms. Allred was named one of the best lawyers in America by her peers and is the subject of the Netflix documentary, Seeing Allred. Her book is Fight Back and Win. She joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Ms. Allred, thank you very much for the time. Thank you again for inviting me, Roy. Does the fact Andrew's military honors and affiliations have ended, plus he may not use the HRH designation as the investigation and possible court action evolves, does this affect how the investigation and or court action in the United States will proceed? I don't think it has any impact on that at all. Uh, not on the, uh, the lawsuit brought by Virginia uh, Gouffray. I think what's important is the evidence. Uh, and what, and of course, it is the burden of Virginia Gouffray to prove her case. Now, she doesn't have to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. That would be the burden uh, of proof in a criminal case. She only has to prove it by a lot less evidence for a civil case, call a preponderance of the evidence. Or if she wants to seek punitive damages, which she probably does, she's going to have to prove it by clear and convincing evidence, which is more than a preponderance, but less than beyond a reasonable doubt. And indeed, that has already begun. We're now reading reports that uh, Virginia's lawyers are seeking to interview a woman who allegedly was in the club and saw Trump nightclub uh, and allegedly saw Prince uh, Andrew uh, or Duke of York with a young girl. Now, whether that young girl was Virginia Gouffray, what date was that? He has allegedly said he wasn't there or he doesn't sweat. All of these issues, are, you know, are going to come into play. He also is now seeking, apparently, to speak to the husband of Virginia Gouffray on the issue of damages and a psychologist to whom she spoke. That's all very strange because as to a husband, any communications between spouses would be completely confidential under attorney-client confidential uh, communication, although he may seek to know what the husband was told prior to their getting married, and that wouldn't be confidential. So we'll have to see at some point 
his deposition is going to be taken, uh, that is Duke of York's deposition, he's going to have to testify under oath, which he hasn't done to this point because he never would speak to federal prosecutors. He never would, and there he would not have had to speak under oath, but he would have had a duty to tell the truth, um, which he didn't have any duty to do when he did that interview on BBC Newsnight for an hour, which a lot of people think was really a very bad decision on his part and led to a lot of public opinion against him. Um, So, you know, the games have begun, so to speak. It's serious for him, and uh, both sides will you know, be doing a lot of seeking of evidence, investigation of the other side. And in addition, he's going to have to answer what we call interrogatories, written questions, uh, but, and she will as well, uh, that will be propounded to her by his attorneys. So uh, both sides have highly skilled defense and plaintiff's teams, and so it's going to be quite a battle. Yeah, and the royal family clearly has uh, indicated to uh, to Andrew, you won't get any cover from us. Uh, defend yourself, deal with it yourself. Now, we talked to you and I talked last weekend, and there are so many moving parts in this particular case. And I, I go back to Alan Dershowitz, the uh, Harvard Law mm-hmm. Dean, who expressed the opinion to UK media once Virginia Giffray's agreement with Jeffrey Epstein was entered into the public record. Uh, Dershowitz gave an interview saying that Andrew could not be pursued legally now. I asked you about this last weekend. Does Dershowitz, does that interview take on added dimensions now? Well, I mean, he he said, I haven't seen his interview, but if he said that Andrew cannot be pursued, if he's referring to the release in the settlement between Jeffrey Epstein and Virginia, uh, that decision has been made by the court. And the court decided that the Duke of York is not released from by Virginia from being sued because of the settlement, which contained a release, you know, between her and Jeffrey Epstein. The court gave various reasons for that. But the bottom line is he wasn't specifically named in that release. He, he could have been. He wasn't. And as the court pointed out, it was confidential. The Duke wouldn't even have known about it until recently. And uh, there are a lot of ambiguity and consistency. Anyway, that ship has sailed, except that the Duke of York could appeal from the decision of the court to allow this lawsuit to go forward by Virginia. But the bad news for him is that he can't do that until after the trial. And, of course, having to be involved in this litigation and then a trial is something that he wanted to avoid. Yeah. How quickly do you expect this all to to move forward? Well, uh, there is a trial date set for later this year, but it could then be continued to another date. That happens frequently, and then there's COVID to deal with, which also slows the court down. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Federal court trials move more quickly than state trials, but on the other hand, uh, you know, often there is, a good cause for a continuance. We'll have to wait and see what happens. But, you know, you said, well, the, the palace wants to distance themselves. A question that I still have is, is the queen going to help to fund his defense? This is going to be a very expensive, uh, you know, uh, situation for the Duke of York. 
He's got many defense attorneys hired, both in the United States and also in the U.K. And does he really have the funds for that? Uh, he may not. So where is that money going to come from? Is the queen going to help him out from her own private funds? Uh, I think we're not going to know that. And at least we don't know it now, uh, despite whatever public relations statements are going to be made. Mm -hmm. I feel for the queen. She's a mother. We all know as mothers, you know, that sometimes our adult children make choices that we would like them not to have made. But we, you know, it's not like when they're two years old or three years old. And, and, you know, we have oversight over what they do and veto power. It doesn't happen that way when children become adults. And I'm sure that she wishes uh, that he had never encountered Jeffrey Epstein and made, at, at, best, at best, he made very poor choices being associated with him, and especially after he was convicted of, uh, you know, and, and was known to be a sexual predator. Uh, but anyway, that that those choices were made, and now he's going to have to defend himself in the civil lawsuit. It will be a continuing scandal for the Duke of York, and also, you know, for the firm. Yeah, one more question for you, Ms. Allred. The call for a retrial for Ghislaine Maxwell, the juror in question, wants to see his pretrial questionnaire, and he said he wants to be heard from in any mistrial hearing. What do you see happening as far as this is concerned? Well, you know, I think it's likely that there is going to be a hearing on whether there should be a retrial. And it, I, I don't blame him for wanting to see the questionnaire because the questionnaire that he filled out uh, was, is key in all this. Did he say that he was never a victim of child sexual abuse? It does appear that, I mean, if he said he was not, and then, of course, if it's true... And he said that he spoke during jury deliberations with the other jurors and shared with them the fact that he had been a victim of child sexual abuse and really persuaded some of them, according to him, uh, you know, to understand that some of the victims who testified, you know, even, you know, that they should believe them, even though maybe some, maybe their memory wasn't perfect. Uh, that's, very material to the ultimate conviction. And I think the prosecutor is concerned as well as the defense. Yeah. Uh, and so we'll have to see. I, I, you know, ultimately he's going to know what he said in the questionnaire, uh, whether he's going to be heard at a hearing. Uh, he may or may not be. We'll have to wait and see. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Today, the vaccine mandate went into effect for Canadian and American cross-border truckers. Unvaccinated truck drivers returning to or entering Canada from the United States are going to be required to quarantine for 14 days and then test negative. If you're a truck driver, you can't sit for 14 days. You can't just cross off your schedule 14 days, and then the next time you go into the United States, you have to do it all over again. So on Wednesday of this week, the federal government 
policy, this policy, this vaccine mandate, was declared rescinded, as you well recall, by the CBSA, the Canada Border Services Agency, only to see the government, the Trudeau government, the very next day on Thursday, declare that the policy remains in effect. Meanwhile, on the U.S. side of the border, American President Joe Biden's vaccine mandate is set to go into effect one week from today for truckers entering the United States. So what's the likely impact of the vaccine mandate on cross-border Canadian truck drivers? What's the likely impact of the mandate on Canadians who are already justly concerned about the supply chain? In the next half hour, we're going to talk to three independent truckers. I've spoken to them earlier this week, and they all told me the same thing. If the mandate goes into effect, we're done. We're done as of today. So we'll talk to them in about a half an hour's time. We have spoken on two occasions with true trucking firm owners in Ontario. Ron Foxcroft is the owner of Fluke Transport and chairman of Fox 40 Industries in Hamilton, and David Carruth of OneForFreight.com. They are both back with us. Ron, David, thank you very much for taking the time. How concerned are you about this vaccine mandate and what the mandate means? And I'm just looking actually at a Bloomberg headline. Trudeau plays dangerous game demanding U.S. truckers have shots. That's the American side of the argument. Uh, David, let me start with you. How concerned are you? Well, Roy, again, thank you very much for putting this topic uh, front and center. Uh, Actually, very, very concerned. Um, you know, our supply chain over the last couple of years uh, with this pandemic is, has been very, very fragile. Uh, and I, I just see this creating a, a bigger issue and a longer um, a longer recovery time from this. And, and Ron, what about you? What's what's the immediate concern about the, the mandate and what it, I mean, you may, I don't know if you agree with it or not, but what does the mandate actually mean and what concerns does it raise? My concern, Roy, this has been a tough week. On Wednesday, uh, with the government rescinding the, uh, the rule, it became very confusing and unsettling. The one thing I would like us to do, I don't know if this is possible, but I'm, I'm going inter- to interrupt myself and say, Roy, thanks for bringing this, this to the attention of your listeners, and thank you for Chorus Radio for bringing this to the attention of, of, of your listeners. I really want to see, if this is possible, the USA and the Canada government communicate and collaborate, and whatever they decide on, communicate the rules the same. Communicate very, very efficiently to us so we know what the rules are. Uh, Roy, you can't work in, in, in a system where you don't know what the rules were. And on Wednesday this week, it was very confusing and very unsettling, and I am very, very concerned about shelves being reduced, shelves being empty, and the prices of goods. And let's start right now with fruit and vegetables. You are going to see the price of fruits and vegetables immediately go through the roof. So the Canadian Trucking Alliance uh, said 22,990 job vacancies for transport truck drivers were there in December. When you, when you two both first started talking to me about this, 22,990, we might as well say 23,000 jobs, were vacant, were needed drivers 
23,000 drivers. That represented a 20% surge in driver vacancies over the second quarter of 2021. How do you counter that? David, how do you counter that as a trucking firm, particularly when more drivers will be stepping aside today because of the mandate? And I'll be talking to three of them in about uh, 20 minutes. So you're correct. By our count, our estimation, we think another 26,000 drivers are coming out of the cross-border um, cross-border lanes effective today. Um, to put this in perspective, what we have to do as companies is we have to start prioritizing what freight to move. We have to start prioritizing um, what clients to deal with. And and the supply chain itself is, it, it's, it's just, it, it's awful, is, is to put it this way. To build on Ron's point, on Wednesday and Thursday, when the government walked back their statement, a number of my colleagues launched into the U.S. with drivers that they knew were not vaccinated, thinking they had a reprieve. Now they've got drivers coming back across the border after today who are going to come out of the supply chain because of this rule and because of the ineptness of the what happened on Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah, Ronan, that's so hard to accept that on Wednesday... You'd have a major agency, the Canada Border Services Agency, say this mandate is over. And then the very next day, you have three government ministers step in front of cameras and say, no, it's not over. It's still on. And as David says, and you say, there are companies that sent their drivers across the border unvaccinated, believing that the thing was done, that the mandate wasn't going to be in effect. And now they're going to come back. They're going to have to come back and they'll have to quarantine for 14 days. It just creates more confusion where none was necessary. Very unsettling. And, and your colleague, Alex Pearson, referred to it as a gong show. Roy, that's exactly what it was. But I'll tell you right now, uh, thank you to the CTA. The CTA are doing an amazing professional job communicating with the government on both sides of the border. And as I said earlier, let's hope the USA and the, and the Canada government collaborate and communicate. But I'll tell you, Roy, what we have decided to do, and I think our industry has decided to do, this was a big problem beyond before the, the COVID, recruiting and retention. We're skilled trade, we're an aging trade, we're losing drivers, and we really need to come up, and Canadians are good, Roy, we need to come up with an innovative, creative recruiting and retention program. Uh, I know for our company, Fluke Transport, for David's company, but for the entire industry, let's not count on anybody, the government, to help us. Let's step up as the private sector and be leaders and be innovators and get a recruitment and retention program in place. What sort of reality is the Canadian consumer facing given what is in fact the rule now? What are Canadians looking at over the next weeks and months? Well, in fact, those drivers are actually out now. Part of the Canadian rule is that uh, unvaccinated American drivers cannot enter Canada as of today. So if you put this in perspective and you, you think that, that just say twenty to 26,000 drivers are, are out of the pool and each driver can, can handle an average of two loads a week across the border, right? So that's 52,000 loads on a week-to-week basis that aren't crossing the border of food, the consumer goods, medical supplies. And then you multiply that by 50 
and then potentially 40,000 pounds is just saying an average of a load, uh, an average payload. And, and you can very easily get into the millions and billions of pounds of goods not moving across the border. Wow. Uh, Ron, the majority of Canadians, the vast majority of Canadians tell pollsters they they want Canadians to be vaccinated. So there's, you know, there's the, there's the to and fro on this, but the vast majority of Canadians say they want Canadians to be vaccinated. Okay, let's assume that's a given. What do you think should have taken place in order to keep the traffic moving across the border? And the reason I ask this, when this COVID pandemic began in early 2020, truck drivers were seen as heroes because they're the ones who were unvaccinated, all of us were, and yet they continue to drive, they continue to deliver, they continue to be on the job, and now they see themselves as being um, picked on by government, and they are walking off the job. The What should have happened? What's the alternative here? Well, Roy, I'm going to tell you straight up, I'm, I'm in favor of vaccines, but this is, uh, I'm not going to uh, delve into the argument of you should be vaccinated or you should not be vaccinated, but I think... And I know David agrees with me, and the, and the uh, Canadian Trucking Association agrees with me, the truck driving industry should be exempt mm-hmm. from these vaccines because I'll tell you, Roy, in our trucks, that's our home, that's our office. We are not COVID spreaders. All we do is we get in our truck, we work hard, we're skilled trade, we should be exempt. And the only thing the Canadian Trucking Association have done, uh, and, and I applaud them, the only thing they've asked for is, number one, a possible exemption for the trucking industry. Number two, a delay in this rule by both countries. Both countries talk, communicate, collaborate, give us more time. Now, Roy, i got to tell you bluntly, we've got two people in our company that uh, were not uh, vaccinated, and and they have softened their position. And I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong. That's I'm not delving into that argument. But they've softened their position, and they've got vaccinated. So the Canadian Trucking Association have said to the government, give us more time to get people vaccinated but the, the government meantime, Ron, Ron, the government the government hasn't responded the government's just said we're going ahead with the mandate so they're not listening to you no they're not that's too bad the government's got some big stuff i'm i'm not going on your show to badmouth the government you know like a monday morning uh, uh quarterback uh, you know badmouthing the referees all i'm saying they've got a lot of things on their plate but all yeah, we're we all asking do. for is give us an exemption and give us some time yeah now, so look, because th- there's no alternative to this. We can't suddenly say, uh, can we, David? Oh, we'll just have rail deliver everything then. We, we, yeah. there, there's no ready alternative standing by to take over from the truckers who aren't crossing the border. It, it, there isn't. And, and our two governments actually proved early on in March of 2020 uh, that, that they could keep the borders open, keep the borders flowing very, very smoothly, and, and keep the drivers safe. And to build on Ron's point... You know, we've done all sorts of work within our industry in, in studying this, the spread of the pandemic. And, and our industry um, ha- has one of the lowest infectious rates of this. And it's simply because most people, and the drivers especially, operate solo. They operate in their trucks. Mm-hmm. And the communities and the shippers and the consignees and the customers have kept the drivers safe. They provided services for them. And it, it just... 
what I what I was hoping to see on Thursday is, you know, Canada putting a little bit of a olive branch out saying we'll delay it, and then it would have got them back to the table. And for some reason, uh, somebody internally in, in the Canadian government walked that back, and, and we would just urge them, get to the table with the American government and keep the borders open and keep it flowing so we don't see a... a meltdown in our supply chain. How quickly do you expect this to happen? How quickly do you expect this meltdown to happen, Ron? How quickly do you expect the effect of the mandate on the truckers who will not be driving? How quickly do you expect that to be seen and felt by the consumer? In the next seven days, Roy, we're going to see a reduced product on the shelves. We're going to see empty shelves. We're going to see prices go up. And Roy, I want to bring attention to one point. Uh, charities and not-for-profits depend on the trucking industry because my friend, a charity, uh, a minister in a charity, delivered 7,000 meals to needy families in 2021. They cannot withstand empty shelves and prices going up for essentials and groceries. Charities depend on it. Roy, you ran five trucks to Quebec in early 2000 during the ice storm and got nominated for Citizen of the Year. Charities need trucks running. Yeah, you you ran the trucks, but thank you. It was a tremendous combination effort, and it was about people getting together to help one another. Look, if this is not an essential service, I'd like somebody to define for me what an essential service really is. And it's been allowed to spiral and become muddied, and it's allowed to become a situation where people are going to suffer and struggle and become angry, and that is not the way things should be. Just Roy, this, this week has been such a mass confusion. It's crazy. 51 years ago, USA sent a man to the moon. Now, to get home tonight from the Buffalo Bills game, you got to get tested and be double-vaxxed. No. It's nuts. What's going to happen to the trucking industry? Let me ask you this as well. David, what's going to happen to trucking firms? Are we going to lose trucking firms now? Is that just going to compound the problem? It, it's an interesting question. Um it, it, because there's a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of uh, companies right now um, that are you know operating at a 99 at a hundred or 101 and you know they just can't afford to keep operating uh, and and breaking even or losing money and and it's not just trucking companies obviously restaurants and right. all sorts of other industries are okay. feeling it okay um, but yeah it, it's it's not going to be good. With the vaccine mandate underway, it is fact now, it is passed by government, and no Canadian drivers who enter the United States and are unvaccinated may return with their loads without quarantining for 14 days and then passing uh, or having a negative COVID test. So if you're a Canadian trucker and you go across the border, as you always have, and you bring back a load and you're unvaccinated, you're going to have to quarantine for 14 days and then have a negative test. Next week, we're expecting Joe Biden's situation to, uh, his mandate to go into effect, which will affect many more American drivers and affect the border as far as entering the United States is concerned for Canadians. All right. So, and even now, American drivers who are not vaccinated can't come into Canada without quarantining for 14 days. Many drivers have said they're done. They are done. And we just heard our two trucking firm owners talk about the impact on our country, on our store shelves, and on the global supply chain, the Canadian supply chain. I'm joined by three truckers. 
and uh, I've spoken with them earlier this week. Two are just going to use their first name. One will use his first and last name. Um, Sil, Carl, how are you, Sil? Thanks very much for joining us in Toronto. Uh, I'm great. Uh, thanks for having me, Roy. Now, good to talk to you. Leroy joins us from Western Canada. How are you, Leroy? I'm well. Thank you, Roy. Thank you for uh, for giving truckers a, a bit of a voice to air concerns. Well, it's good to talk to you. Have you done now? Are you done as far as driving across the border is concerned as of right now? <laughs> well, I will be. I am in the U.S. currently, so I'll get a mandatory two-week uh, holiday once I get back home, and then we'll have to decide uh, measures after that. So you left for the United States when the CBSA announcement came down last Wednesday saying the mandate wasn't, in fact, going to be in place. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, you could say that, yeah. I was actually across the border already, and right now I'm still down here and uh, have to make a decision mm-hmm. as to what I'm doing. Uh, to complicate matters, I did end up getting uh, sick uh, with what I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to run and get tested. I trust my system to take care of itself. Um, and I'm probably at the tail end of it, so I wasn't going to risk going to the border and okay. testing positive and all that kind of good stuff. All right. So Chad is also in Western Canada. Chad, you told me that uh, you've been driving for many years, got millions of miles behind you, and you, in fact, had uh, ordered a new truck, and you said if this mandate passes, you're done, you're walking away or driving away. Have you done that? Are you done as of today? Uh, yeah, it was the first week of December was my last trip uh, across. I seen the writing on the wall, and I was pretty certain that the Trudeau government wouldn't um, really be level-headed about this. So I took uh, some actions early and and uh, got a local job and quit crossing the border uh, the uh, first week of December. Okay. Uh, Sil, are you done as far as driving across the border is concerned? You're doing something a little differently to the truckers, although you do come across the border. Tell us what you do and if you're done as of today. Uh, yes, uh, Roy, I import uh, recreational vehicles from the United States. I do this on a regular basis. And as a matter of fact, when I heard the announcement that has since been uh, rescinded by the federal government that uh, they were going to cancel this uh, this mandate for another uh, week, that uh, I, I had planned another trip this week, and uh, I had to cancel the trip because there's no way I was going to be able to return to Canada. Okay. So the question that people want answered is this, and I'll ask you to just give me a brief answer to this question, but mm-hmm. here it is. Why not get vaccinated? If you look at what's the mandate, and it's going to affect your personal economies, uh, why resist the why resist uh, the vaccine, Leroy? Why for you? Oh, trust uh, both sides of it. I trust my immune system treated properly and fed properly to do what it's designed to do. Uh, trust again on the pharmaceutical side. Would you trust a pharmaceutical that was rushed to get first to the to the gate with a vaccine that has no liability? That has recently been fined two billion dollars for, let's say, unethical business. Leroy, Leroy, I just want to stay with the the trucking side of things because we're going to run out of time. I don't want to shut you down, but I'm not going to shut you down. But I I do have to stay with what we're talking about. So it's it's you trust your system and you don't trust big pharma. Correct. Okay. Uh, Chad, your reason for not saying, okay, okay, I'll do it, because for economic reasons, I'll get vaccinated. Why did you decide not to do that? Um, 
I guess the shortest answer would be anytime the government says do this or else, the or else is, uh, you know, it's definitely a, a consequence or, you know, I'm suffering cons- consequences. Um, but in this situation and in history past, the government can't always be trusted. I mean, there's lots of books out on different things in different countries where the government tried to rule with an iron fist and it never turned out great for the people. Okay, so what about you? Why, why the decision to, uh, to not be vaccinated? Well, I echo the others' reasoning. Uh, for me, I had COVID very early on. I recovered. I have, uh, I believe I'm naturally immune to COVID, although there is very, very little science on this. And I, the, the vaccines are um, not, they are approved for use in Canada on an emergency basis. So I don't believe that there is sufficient data out there to, uh, to justify me uh, having this vaccine. Okay, they've gone beyond the emergency basis, uh, certainly the United States, and I believe in this country as well. But let's let's talk about what's going to happen. You you communicate with with your fellow truckers, your fellow drivers. So, and the Americans are going to have their mandate uh, a week from today, Joe Biden's mandate. What are you hearing from? And I'll start with you, Leroy. What are you hearing since you're in the United States right now? What are you hearing from American drivers? And what are your Canadian colleagues, co-drivers? telling you about what their plans are i've got both ends of it i've got a friend based out of uh, the lower mainland Uh, he got his second shot in december and only got vaccinated because of the mandate i have a friend in pennsylvania who uh, hauls automobiles into uh, the toronto area and he's quit crossing. He will not get uh, the vaccine. So I, I can't help but think that our supply chain problems will only worsen, you know, in the, in the near future. Okay. Is there, uh, Chad, is there enough work in Canada? Because one of you told me when we were talking off the air the other day that the American drivers are not so concerned about heading or whether or not they come into Canada because they have enough work waiting for them in the lower 48. So they don't have to worry about about work. The border isn't all that important to them individually. But is there enough work in this country uh, to, 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 uh, to help you uh, economically, help you survive, and help you keep, keep moving along? Your situation's a little different. Sil, what about you, Chad? Is there enough work here? I feel that there is. However, I think that it's going to be impacted for the, the lack of goods coming into Canada. Prime example, Snyder National just announced uh, a day after the reversal of the reversal, um, that they're closing shops. Snyder National is one of the biggest trucking companies in the United States, and they're closing all operations in Canada, and they plan on being out of here in March. Um, I do think that long-term, you know, it may be a little bit tougher. Um, so, but right now, I did uh, four interviews uh, where I currently live, and they're struggling getting drivers, period. They've had to hire... Um, People just come in to do testing every 72 hours to try to supply their their customer base as it is because so many drivers have just walked away from the industry. Uh, I got this email from Alan to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. If a trucker crosses the border and goes into quarantine, what happens to the load in the truck? Is the delivery delayed for the whole time the driver's in quarantine? That's a good question. Let me ask uh, you, Leroy, since you, are you going to come back empty? 
I probably won't have much choice. Um, there isn't going to be a shipper that's going to allow me to go take a load across the border and, and have me tell them, look, I'm probably going to get quarantined as soon as I cross the border and I'll have to sit on your load at two weeks. They'll say, no, thank you. Okay. So there's no provision in place, for example, where you got to the border and a Canadian driver would take your, your load and deliver it and you would carry on um, without the load. I, that's not, you know, that just sounds, starts to sound so unnecessarily complicated. Um, but you, you, So you're expecting to come back without a load? Uh, yeah. The, okay. the alternative would be exactly what you suggested, that I get across the border, contact a friend of mine, and say, hook onto my trailer and deliver this for me, please. Would they let you do that? Uh, there, uh, most loads, yes. Okay. Chad, what, is, what, are, what are shippers telling you? Have you been uh, in contact with shippers you normally would deal with in the United States? And if so, what are they telling you? Uh, I haven't been. Like I said, the last run that I did down there was the first week of December. So okay. I guess I'm uh, about five, six weeks out. So I really can't give a, an accurate input on that for right now. Okay. So what happens with you? I mean, you have been, you've been bringing RVs into Canada from the United States, and you've that's been, I imagine, successful for you. And, uh, and now it stops. How are you dealing with, with your customers in the U.S.? What are they saying to you? Well, obviously, my customers in the U.S. are, are quite disappointed with the, this turn of events. They've voiced their, their displeasure with their elected officials. Um, but, you know, for me, this has been going on for quite some time now, uh, for the four or five years past. Um, I have been unable to get Americans to come and bring these things into Canada for me. This is why I and uh, a business partner of mine have been going to get these things in the U.S. This isn't this for me. This isn't new, but now this is it tops it for me. That's it. I'm done. I, I I'm, I'm shutting down the business, and we'll do something else. Is there a, a chance? I just received an email from uh, one of our listeners, and then it just disappeared. We're having a little bit of a fun time with email today. Uh, is there a chance that you will change your mind? Will economics and uh, just pressure and and, and the sight of, uh, of empty shelves and, and, the, and the supply chain being under stress, uh, is there a chance, Chad, that you might change your mind on this? Um, the chance of that is probably um, pretty slim <laughs> for lots of reasons. Um, this isn't just about me. It's about thousands, tens of thousands of other Canadians that lost their jobs um, along the way for, for the mandate as well. And, you know, you kind of think back about things, you know, through life. And if someone doesn't stand up for everybody, then no one's going to be there to stand up at the end. And, and for, for a mandate that makes zero sense, um, lockdowns ain't working, the vaccine is not working. Um, so I'm not really sure what they're trying to prove unless it is like he talked about um, the Great Reset. Well, we'll really, talk. at the end of the day, which seems like we're on par for that. Okay, we'll talk about vaccines uh, in the next hour or some more. But um, what are you hearing from other Canadian truckers? Are, are you hearing that, you know, we've heard numbers of 16,000 are going to not drive anymore across the border. Federal government says it's more like 8,000. What are, what are you hearing, Syl? What, what are you hearing from 
you know, drivers who are normally plying the border? The drivers that I I talk to uh, while I'm in the U.S., they're all saying the same thing. Uh, it, it's insanity, and they're not going to get vaccinated just for uh, the sake of keeping a job. Like me, um, for me, this is the, the hill to die on. If um, if I believed in, in the vaccine, it'd be a different story. But e- even then, um, I would probably protest um, alongside my, my brothers and sisters. You know, I even um, went as far as uh, a- a- embarking on a political life. I believe in this so much. So this is the hill to die on for me. Yeah, I'm looking at emails that are coming in, and people are really, really angry. Some of them are angry at you. Some of them are angry at the government. But they're certainly angry at at, at somebody. They're very frustrated. And I'm just thinking, Leroy, here you are. I'm going to go back to you because you're in the United States. In 2020, when you were crossing back and forth, unvaccinated because no vaccine was available, you were considered to be a, a hero. You're the guy who was delivering. You're the guy who took the risks and took the chances and drove into the United States and came back, and people waved to you on the highway. Right. And and in that respect, it's not unlike the, the medical community that were, you know, heroes for, for, for dealing with people, you know, and risking, you know, illness themselves uh, as a cross-border trucker. Um, you know, we put up with no restaurants, no rest areas. And I mean, let me tell you, that puts you in a bind. Okay, so I've got, um, I have an email sitting in front of me now that I'm just going to paraphrase. It goes on, and there's some very colorful language in it, so I'm not going to try to, not going to, try to read it, but it's, it's extremely colorful language. But the, the question is this, and Chad, let me throw it at you first. What responsibility, I'm paraphrasing here, what responsibility do you have as drivers to your fellow Canadians to keep the supply chain going and keep the stocks, uh, the shelves stocked, even if you're absolutely disgusted with and in total disagreement with the mandate and the government? What responsibility do you have to your fellow Canadians to keep the supply chain going? Is that a fair question to ask you? Yes, yeah, a fair question. And uh, if you could reply to the person that sent you the colorful email, Ask them to send me the email, and I'd be more than happy to have a adult conversation with them. I have done that for 23 years, approximately 2.75 million miles. I would say that I've done it um, over the years. And if I choose not to, as much as people say that we're headed to a more communist re- regime, we're not there yet. And if I choose not to do that, Okay, so you don't have any specific responsibility. And I'm just, I'm reading you the, well, I'm not reading you the email. Because, yeah. Because I'd be joining you unemployed um, if, I, if I read the language that's in this email. But Roy, you don't have any, I only have a couple of seconds here. Who was that who just said something? It's uh, Roy. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn it back on, uh, on the emailer uh-huh. saying uh, these vaccines have, there's no legal responsibility on the companies that provide them. No, but, so that, no, but, the, but the person who sent the email, I only have a few seconds here, it says, what responsibility do you have to your fellow Canadians to keep the supply chain going and the shelf stocked? Will you take I, care of my families if I die from those vaccines? Okay, I, I, I knew you were going to say that. I had to ask the question. Guys, thanks very much for joining us. 
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.